Okay, without further ado, I'm going to go on mute and pass over to, to Haley. Haley, all yours. Great. All right. Well, thanks for everyone joining um, live. If you're here live, if you're watching it back. Hello as well. <laughs> My name's Haley. Um, I've been on here before. So if you, you don't recognize me from the past, um, it's good to see you again. Um, if not, just to, to let you know, um, I'm a registered nutritionist. Um, I'm also a psychologist um, in exercise and sports psychology. Now, today we're going to be talking about food <laughs> and the topic being uh, I like to call it the good, the bad, the ugly, and we're going to pull apart what that means, um, where our kind of maybe preferences and biases lie. But, you know, to get the spoiler alert out the way, um, I, I obviously am all about just eating everything really in a sense. And where I land is right in that sense of, you know, there are no good or bad foods. But I'm also going to take that question or that statement apart a little bit, because I think it also oversimplifies what is a really difficult thing that being our relationship with food. So we're not going to end this by saying, guys, just don't be scared of food. Don't be worried about it. Because I think that really oversimplifies what is a quite a complex situation. Um, so don't worry, that's not my kind of final thoughts on the matter. Now, I'm just going to click to the other slide, and I'm going to go over to my, uh, my, word, my word generator thing. But I wonder if we can take a minute and I know this can be quite a quiet group, I think, if I remember, but if we want to feel comfortable shouting out or even messaging in the group, what comes to mind when you hear that term healthy food? And, and you can be as honest or as kind of candid as you want. And I'm going to create one of those little word clouds for us to look at at the end um, and then to reflect on at the end of the, the session as well. So go ahead and throw some ideas out. Matt, you can participate as well. Um, jump in the chat, whatever feels comfortable. Absolutely, team. Let's get fully engaged. Again, I want to see this chat box absolutely lightening up. The more that you engage in this, the more you're going to get out of it. So just get as much words as you possibly can in here. I'm going to engage. Okay, I saw veg. I see rabbit food. That's a good one. Rabbit food. I don't know if that's going to come together or two words or separate words, but that's fine as well. Um, we've got fat, three fruits. Colors, no carbs, no fatty food. And put those together like that. Okay, boring, bland, love these, nice guys. Salads, low cal, dairy free. Interesting that that one came up. Gluten free. Anyone else? What am I going to throw in there? Low sugar. Um, anyone, anyone else want to throw anything out? I'll give it a couple, you know, about a minute more. High fiber, nice. High fiber. I'm going to put that, the kind of generic word of balance out there. Fresh, that's a good one. Um, healthy, what else? Maybe we think of things like um, the, what is that? Pyramid, food pyramid. Ooh, why am I typing it in the chat there? Pyramid, my plate, if anyone's heard of my plate, insulin. Cool. All right, let's see what we've got from that. All right, I'm gonna just screenshot that bad boy and put it over here. Okay, so we've got our little word cloud here, which I wanted to create together because then we can refer back to it at the end. Um, and then I'll now 
get rid of the chats and I'm going to actually start the presentation. Um, but this is what we've come up with, right? Low sugar, I think that was not just sugar. <laughs> I never know how these things are going to separate words. We've got things like low carbs, um, low cal, um, dairy-free, um, the pyramid, my plate, insulin, balance, high fiber, fresh vegetables, uh, gluten-free, um, low fat, I think it was rabbit food, which is an interesting one. So we've got, you know, what I feel, what feels like not to, um, kind of simplify it, but your, your typical definitions of like healthy, right? The things that feel like what I'm feeling from this is things that are sort of sold through, um, the governmental ads about, you know, losing weight. These are the things that come up, make sure you reduce your fat, make sure you reduce your carbs. Maybe it's come from things like slimming clubs or slimming worlds or, um, things that your parents told you growing up. It's, it's that really kind of basic for lack of sort of making it seem, um, un, un complex, but th this is what comes up. These are the things that come up for us. So it's, it's great that these are the ones that you guys have identified. Now the, the next task, and I promise I'll, I'll let you off the hook um, if we can think after this one, but if we can start to think about more specifically now, what are our good foods? What foods are in our good food list? What foods are in our bad food list? And what foods are in our neutral list? So I'm gonna actually go back into my presentation and I'm gonna add them in here based on what you guys say. Jump back on that chat and let's put some ideas down about what we have as good, bad, and not ugly, but neutral foods. That was just a catchy title. There is like that ad, if anyone's seen for the odd box or something, odd box vegetables, and it has like, like quote unquote ugly vegetables. And that's that's where I got that little catchphrase from. All, All right, right, team, again, let's get it in there. As you're saying, I know that this is, uh, the more that you engage, the more you will get from this. So when we think about what is a, a healthy food, what is an unhealthy food? Um, if you look at a good diet versus a bad diet, is there anything specifically that, that jump out there? Let's just get it in the chat box. We're just going to go one at a time. So team, get it in. What are your good foods? What are the ones that you want to include in a healthy diet? What does that look like? If you want to shout them out for me, Matt, as well, because I've, I've lost a little chat thing. So if you can shout out the good ones and I'll make our little list. We'll just have five examples or so for each and we'll move on. And again, I'll, I'll let you off the hook after this. <laughs> Absolutely. Just giving the guys a couple seconds to just get them in the chat box. So team, let's go quick as we can. Just name one food. We have, uh, yep, veggie, anything specifically. Yep, so good natural food. So some fruits. So we've got fruits. We've got vegetables. Again, give examples, team. Uh, Alan's coming in there. He says salmon. He's got eggs. He's got broccoli. Um, incredible. So uh, chicken, fish, rice. Yeah, white bread. Oh, no, wheat bread. Uh, that's always an interesting one, I think, isn't it? Brown bread versus white bread. Maybe brown bread is a bad food, you could almost say. Brown pasta is a good food um, as well, which is one. Yeah, there's a, a handful there. Should we think about some bad foods now? I've got quite a good list here. Let's go into our bad, bad zones. The next ones that are being typed, let's think about what, would, what you would classify personally as something that's quote unquote bads. Again, think about for yourself, do some reflection practice, deep think into what you would sort of, when you see that in the shelf, you think, oh, I can't, I can't pick that because it's, it's bad for me. Yeah, we're coming in there. So again, I think that was what was, I was brought up with was first and foremost, like white bread is bad for you. Mm -hmm. um, we've got some people coming in with cake. Um, fried foods, so anything sort of deep fried. Mm -hmm. uh, chocolate seems to be coming in. 
uh, micro meals, packets, things that are like high in salt. So microwave meals, um, badge, things are like chips, things like pizza, um, any form of takeaway, really. All right, awesome. And then what, what goes into our neutral category? And this might be a difficult one. Let's see if we can come up with anything that we feel is sort of neutral. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just, it's just sort of a food. Yeah. Uh, dairy. Yeah. So that's a good one. I would say like breakfast cereals uh, would probably, if I was to, to kind of think one that I had, like breakfast here would be sort of a, a middle ground. Um, bacon. Yeah. We've got some uh, bacon in there. Yeah. It's good, but it's a little bit higher in fat. Maybe I appreciate that. Um, boiled rice feels neutral compared to fried rice potentially. Yep. Um, anything else there team? What, what foods do we feel uh, just kind of, don't even really think about <laughs> I appreciate they were asking you to think about the foods you don't normally think about but <laughs> <laughs> pasta is coming in there as well yep awesome nice. dark chocolate okay. that's a very good one dark chocolate dark feels chocolate. new compared to yeah that's a really good one solid there Alex Sad. all right we'll leave it there and um, I think that now I can actually share my thingy and get going with it but I, I wanted to do this because I didn't I wanted to see where we're at as a group and not where society is or where someone else might be. So I, I like to do these because I want to see what, what we're working with here in this space. Um, and what I'm noticing as, you know, as a nutritionist, I guess, is what we've got on the far left is very clean foods. Yeah, what we consider like clean eating foods, whole foods. We have kind of those standard, again, sort of basic health principles in there as well, like the wheat, the idea of wheat versus white that Matt was picking out. Um, we've got, you know, fish and chicken, which again, quite low fat type meats. So maybe a low fat sort of side, as well as maybe the omegas, you know, you might've heard of like omega threes and healthy fats, which the media will tell you it, or with the kind of the salmon and the eggs. Um, then we move into this middle section. What we've got here is you know, the whites, right? The white refined things. We've got the cakes, so the higher sugar, higher fats with the fried foods. We've got chocolate, which um, feels like one of those foods that maybe something there's a little bit of lack of control around. You know, that idea of I can't have just one, I have to have five, you know? How do I have just one piece of chocolate? Um, the microwave meals, maybe that's, you know, high in sodium. Um, there's something around convenience as well that, that feels bad in here. Again, I'm not, this is not me saying, what's right and wrong. I'm just sort of reflecting on what everyone has said here. Uh, packeted meals. So the example was like crisps, uh, maybe again, high in sodium convenience or something in convenience coming up here. Uh, pizza. Again, that feels like high fats type situation. And then neutral, we've, we've got on this kind of neutral right side. We've sort of got the, the dairy, which again, it's got that high fat, but also there's a protein element maybe that's gone into that decision. Um, breakfast cereal, which Again, that, that could be something that's high in fiber, um, could be filling, could be not, but then you have the sort of higher sugary type ones. So maybe it's more of a neutral and certain where it sits. Bacon, um, actually, I love that one in there. Um, interesting that Matt, you kind of qualified in there and said, oh, but it's a bit high fat. And I guess I'm curious, uh, that's like curious brain is, well, what is it about high fat that feels, feels bad? And that's just kind of a, a reflection point as well. Boiled rice is my favorite answer just because it feels like the most bland food in the world. Absolutely. feels very neutral. <laughs> feels very safe. <laughs> just in a, a definition wise, I feel like that was a good one. Um, pasta is in that neutral zone for, for someone. And then dark chocolate as well. Curious about what, what takes dark chocolate into neutral versus chocolate. 
Is it, is it what the media tells us? Is it the sugar content? Is the nutrition? You know, what, what's going into those decisions? And the reason I'm throwing those questions out there, and they're rhetorical, no one has to jump in and answer them. No one needs to kind of jump in and defend. But I think the reason why I, I touch on this is because it's interesting, isn't it? It's interesting where we draw lines and it's interesting where we have themes that everyone's kind of come together and put together a list, which maybe there's disagreements on, but a lot of it feels quite consent, like there's a consensus on what we as a group here feel is good, bad, and neutral. And, you know, when, when we think about that, we have to think about perspective. And the reason I've put some of these pictures up here is because I wanted to give an insight into maybe um, where I might have, have fallen on the spectrum let's say 15 years ago. Now, if anyone follows me on social media, if you were here last time and I mentioned it, um, I'm someone who has struggled in the past uh, with a restrictive eating disorder and have spent lots, several years <laughs> and lots of education around repairing that relationship with food. Now we've got on here some of the foods that you guys had named, which is interesting. You know, we've got the eggs, we've got the chocolate, we've got crisps, fruit, um, veggies. We've got some of those things on here. And we've put eggs in the good zone we put fruit in the good zone, we put chocolate in the bad zone, but dark chocolate in neutral, but veggies in good, chips in bad, lemon is just a lemon. But my perspective, let's say, let's rewind 10 years ago, I would have come and said, ooh, eggs, mm, bad. Yeah, bad because, I don't know, high in fat, right? The yolk, the yolk is high in fat. Uh, then there's the thing about the what the health documentary, eggs were like equivalent to I don't know, smoking 10 cigarettes or something, this claim around eggs being this, you know, very powerful, bad food, apparently, according to that documentary. Um, I would have told you 15 years ago or so that fruit was, oh, too high in sugar, too high in carbs, you know, think about those bodybuilder diets where it's like we have to track the with the salad because there's five carbs in there, you know, goodness, you know, God forbid we miss out on the two grams of carbs in my salad or whatever it is, and I leafy greens. I might've said, you know, 15 years ago that again, as we've said here, chocolate is bad, but dark chocolate is good. Lemon water is this like elixir of life for some people. I think it was, what was it? Who is it? Gwyneth Paltrow was said, I need to have alkaline water with lemon, which totally defeats the purpose of alkaline water because you're just making it acidic. So making these very serious health claims, this is what keeps me young type thing, with no real scientific backing. And our perspectives on food will shift over the years. Now I'll look at all this and just say, yeah, it's all neutral. But that's taken a different personal perspective and that might be the one you have and that's completely fine. But what we're gonna do today is look at where do my biases come about food? Why are they there? Do I wanna change them and how can I change them? What would serve my purpose, my goals, my interests, my needs, my social life, my cultural connections? What do I want to do with food? What power do I want to have over food? And what power do I want food to have over me? Because as I said there, you know, the moral of the story when it comes down to food is that you can Google bad food and you can Google good food. And what you're going to find is a lot of crossover this is obviously a bit of an exaggeration and, and a bit of a, a pun or a farce or whatever, but, you know, in slimming, slimming worlds, you know, chocolate is 5,000 5, sins. That's not what it is, but it's like some, you know, some ridiculous amount of sins for a bar of chocolate when the bar of chocolate is the same number of calories as maybe 
um, the, the salmon and the, the boiled rice, which was our good meal. And that was less sins, let's say to slimming world than the bar of chocolate, even though they're the same calorie value. Again, there's difference in, there's difference in calories and nutritional value, which I'll acknowledge, but there's this sort of astronomical difference. You know, Weight Watchers is gonna tell you that chocolate is worth a billion points. Dairy deprivation people are gonna say, oh no, it can't have chocolate at all. You know, it must go dairy free. Some people are gonna say iceberg lettuce is bad. I remember finding that in a Google search because it's less nutritious. Again, difference, there's something different there, a minute change because it has less minerals and vitamins than spinach, let's say. It suddenly got moved into the bad zone. But iceberg lettuce is just sort of, it's like an air vegetable, right? It doesn't really have anything to it. Does that make it bad? To someone it does, according to the internet. You know, some people are gonna tell you that an overripe banana is worse than a normally ripened one or a less ripened one because the taste isn't as sweet. And so we associate that less sweet taste with lower sugar content. Or because it's not as sweet, we don't sort of click into that headspace of, ooh, it's like a dessert. And there's something I'm always curious about, and it, it would never happen. You know, as a psychologist, I would love it to happen from a very immoral standpoint, but it'd be so interesting if we raised like a group of children in an experiment where carrots were like the equivalent of chocolate and chocolate were their carrots. You know, like we just gave chocolates as like that, that's the vegetable portion. And then we gave them carrots as like rewards and like see how that changes people's perspective. Never would do that because obviously again, highly unethical. We live in a world that has a level of morals, but it would be really interesting about how we frame food differently from a socio, um, social perspective and how that impacts how we see things now. So we have science, we've got culture, we've got um, social. Point being is it all comes down to personal preference in a lot of ways. And I don't just mean, well, I prefer to have this and therefore it makes it more nutritious. I mean, my personal preference on what information I'm going to absorb, engage with, what, what academic information, what educational information, what sort of nutritional information I'm gonna engage with, what part of my kind of social information am I gonna engage with, what part of my personal taste preferences am I gonna engage with and what part of my goals? So there's so much that goes into what we decide to eat, but it's going to come down to understanding what are these different moving parts for me so that I can make informed decisions that aren't just coming from general mass media or from just our own history and things we've done in the past. So what I'm gonna encourage you today is to start thinking about how I classify and consider foods away from the definition of good, bad, neutral, but into how they affect me physically, how they affect me mentally, and how they affect me other. And I've got a list of some other areas in which food could affect me. And I'm going to give some examples to put it into context. But ways that foods could affect you physically would be things like, oh, it, it makes me bloat. Maybe it gives me um, some gastrointestinal distress. Maybe it affects my weight or shape. Again, things like high protein foods impacting muscle. Um, Whereas, you know, excessive calorie intake can increase my weight and um, too, too much of a calorie deficit can cause um, excessive weight loss. So food can affect weight and shape. Um, my energy levels, so how I'm feeling fatigued, how energized I'm feeling. It can affect you know, things like hair, skin, nails. And um, we spoke about like the omega-3s, again, really good for like skin, hair, nails. That might be a consideration about the reasons why you keep food in your diets. 
maybe around concentration, you know, everyone says like, again, omega-3s, like walnuts or blueberries, you know, something around there, antioxidants, you know, affects concentration and brain function. It can be taste, that's a physical sensation. What I like the taste of, what I don't like the taste of. And also textures. What am I comfortable touching? What am I comfortable having in, in my mouth? Not for lack of a funny thing, way to say that, but people kind of struggle with certain like the sliminess, if that feels weird or creamy textures. Are those difficult? Are they fine? Are they okay? Do, how do they feel physically? We then go into that idea of how do the foods affect me mentally? Again, this isn't good or bad. Let's try and refrain from those kinds of words. Think about how a food makes you feel. Is there any guilt and shame that's attached to it? Whether that's during the meal or after, is it delayed or current guilt and shame? Does it give you a sense of power and pride? Does it make you feel happy or sad or maybe neutral? Are there any fears there? Do you have, does it cause any traumas or flashbacks? Do you think of things that maybe happened in the past in your childhood where a certain food was given to you in a certain circumstance and it's bringing something up for you? Does it make you feel connected to others or to yourself? Does it make you feel in or out of control? And the last one being, how does it affect me socially, maybe culturally, maybe your relationship with your significant other, your lifestyle, convenience? You know, we spoke about convenience foods, feeling quite bad. But are they just that? Are they just convenient? Because I'm having quite a busy week. How do the foods affect me financially? Do they affect my goal achievement, right? Everyone's here, it's a fitness program situations. We've got some goals going on in the background. How do those foods affect my goals? Does that make them good, bad, other? Not sure, but they, they affect, they, they have an impact on the foods you're selecting. So let's think about how we can put that into, you know, some, some context here. So I'm going to start with some basic examples, just some sort of singular foods. So cheese, for example, um, let's say it, these are things that have come from clients stuff. I haven't put any client names, but these are things I've taken from um, clients consultations. Um, but cheese, we have one. It's it's physically makes me feel bloated, gives me um, GI distress. It tastes good and it has a nice texture. So those are how I identify with cheese. That's how I'm physically going to identify with it. Again, some good, some not so good things going on there. Mentally, there was some guilt that came up. This was uh, delayed guilt the next day. I mean, and some of that was um, linked to the bloating and the way I felt physically, not me, but the person felt physically and also how that affected body image as a result. There was a little bit of feelings of lack of control in the moment, uncertainty around how much I've had. Portioning was a bit confusing because we have different you know, shapes and sizes and whatever's of cheese. So it was a bit confusing as to how to sort of track around that. So it felt out of control, but it really gave me some situational happiness. This person was having it as like a wine and cheese party. They were able to feel connectedness to others, you know, going to that social category. The cheese felt like a vehicle for socializing. And while we say, you know, you can socialize without certain foods if you want to reach your goals, absolutely. But that doesn't, but, but let's not ignore the fact that it's easier and it's there and it feels like part of an experience. The wine and cheese party becomes less of a wine and cheese party when you don't have the cheese or the wine, right? So we lose out on some element of the experience. Doesn't make it 
good or bad or other, it's just something to consider about when you choose to engage with it and when you choose not to engage with it. How many of these are positives, negatives? Let me look at the situation at hand. Maybe it was worth it in that moment. Maybe it was a good food for me in that moment because I was allowed to connect with others versus maybe a time I just sort of ate it because it was there and I wasn't really engaging with it much. And then I realized the next day, oh, I've just had like a whole cheese platter. and I wasn't really thinking about what the purpose was for me. And then it feels more of a bad food. Otherwise it just sits neutral. Thinking about broccoli, I think someone named broccoli in the good food list. Physically, this person said some gastrointestinal distress. Um, it wasn't as enjoyable as other foods in the diet sort of taste and texture wise because uh, broccoli goes off. Anyone who's ever done anything with fitness and sort of meal prepping, broccoli dies in about like two days and it's just not very nice. <laughs> so it's not the best one when it comes to taste and texture if you're gonna be reheating all the time. Um, it was filling though, it was very filling. It was a quite filling food. So satisfying from that aspect, from a satiety aspect. And there was an, you know, an acknowledgement that there's vitamins and minerals here. It's contributing to sort of a quote unquote healthy diet. Mentally, it felt quite neutral, a bit boring, a bit of a boring vegetable, some pride that the person was staying on their plan and hitting their sort of one a day, one of five a day, part of that goal achievement. Good, bad, neutral, broccoli. Going to more complex examples when it comes to meals. Again, it's, it's, it becomes interesting when you have a meal in front of you because we've got to start with a curry, which has that boiled rice, right? You can see that straight away, the neutral. But then we've got this sort of sauce going on. We've got the probably oil on top. We've got chicken in there, which is on that good list. We've got some veggies in there. We've got different things happening with the curry. Physically, this person said that it felt filling. There was energy the next day, but some same day lethargy, tasty, complex textures. Mentally, it felt warm, some happiness, some guilt as well was in there. Connectedness to others. There was a cultural connectedness as well. For this person, the curry is part of a, a cultural diet and it was able to bring them into that space and not feel they had to reject all cultural meals in order to engage with um, health and wellness plan. There were also some positive memories from uni coming up, but also some maybe less positives. Um, who was it that said they had too much to drink the other night? I don't know if there was curry involved or not, but usually that's, <laughs> I don't know, it's quite a British thing, isn't it? Um, and then we've got pasta. This person has a, a more of a traumatic experience of pasta. It sounds kind of confusing maybe for this group. Um, I do work in eating disorders as well. So for this person, it brought up trauma flashbacks of being almost like force fed pasta in the past. Um, so as you can imagine, that would feel really difficult to sort of eat it again. Um, in your own terms, but by having it, it felt like they were fitting into some social norms and it's something they wanted to include in their diet because it feels normal to have pasta with other people around and to not feel uncomfortable if that's the only thing available. And it is filling, it's tasty, there's energy boost, but there's something mentally there that's quite difficult. Good, bad, neutral, pasta and curry, right? Different things come up. And this is gonna come back to what I was saying earlier about how I'm not here to say that the foods are good, bad, or neutral. And I'm also not here to say, well, that's, that's just the answer. And simply as that, let's go on about our days and just accept there's no bad foods because that oversimplifies it. Um, and I think I always like to think about that meme I should have put in here where it's 
I think it's like a, a Simpsons meme where the person says, oh, I'm feeling depressed. And then the other person's like, oh, well, stop, start feeling happy then. And they're like, you, I should have thought about that, you know, by me sitting here and saying, oh, there's no bad foods. It's kind of like, oh yeah, well, I know that to an extent someone's told me, but, but how do I navigate that myself? Right. Because practically it's not so easy. And often when we have food rules within our kind of diets or whatever your kind of food guidelines, you can say as well, not just rules feels like kind of a, a dirty word nowadays, but like guidelines. These things often function like a lot of other things in life. A lot of areas in our life, we have guidelines, we have boundaries, we have rules. And the purpose of those things are to keep us safe. So challenging that by just saying, oh, there's nothing bad. Don't worry about it. It challenges that safety. But often what we're protecting ourselves against is using control or lack thereof around food as this almost scapegoat. It's kind of like, if I can have all this, if I can eliminate all these foods because they're bad and, and have a diet that's all these good foods, then I feel more in control and it makes me feel safe. It makes me feel a bit more secure. Probably gonna achieve my goal a bit quicker. Whew. But there's something else going on there. There's often something else going on. And that's the part I like to get to. So, so what now, right? What, what's the next steps for us? The questions for you to take away for yourself are, what are my bad foods? What, what goes onto my list? You know, I identified some of them earlier. And there's were things that, you know, felt that not terrible examples of what's a bad food, right? They're pretty standard ones. But, but why are they bad foods for you? You know, I challenged a couple of them at the beginning, but why for you do they feel bad? Is it because you fear that there's a lack of control? Is it because you feel like you need control? Is it because there's a concern around how it might affect my physical self-worth? Think about the physical aspect. We talked about how it affects me physically. I'm concerned about how it's gonna affect my weight or shape, maybe because of the fear of lack of self-control. And it's challenging that sense of self-worth because what happens if I do gain the weight? How's that gonna make me feel about myself? Do you have a specific goal focus that feels like it's isolating that? And I'm kind of saying, well, I've, I'm preparing for a photo shoot or I've got a wedding or something. So I'm, I can't have these foods because of the event. It's not about me. It's about the event. I've got something coming up. Sort of placing blame on a situation. Maybe you have a history of dieting. Um, or you've been exposed to other kind of opinions around the foods being good or bad. I've said media quite a few times. The NHS is just rolling out ads all the time about good, bad foods. Um, our Public Health England are one of those, one of those things. Uh, all the swimming clubs, all these things, maybe parents, parent influences. Um, we often forget, particularly as we, you know, become older adults, we often forget what those rules were when we were younger. But they're, they're there, you know, they're, those are the lessons that were ingrained from very early times. And we know that that has an impact around our choices in the long term, whether that's adherence or rebellion, different ways we could approach that. So then once we know the whys, we can think about what else is behind that? What else is behind the food and the why? Is it a low self-esteem, maybe a low self-belief? I can't control myself around food. I don't believe I can. I haven't seen myself do it. So therefore chocolate is bad because I can't control myself. Don't believe I can do it. Is it perfectionism and high achievement? I have to stick to this regimented diet. I have to eat these foods because this contributes to my sense of high achievement, makes me feel good, makes me feel like I'm almost appeasing those parts of me that are perfectionist. Is it body image? You know, I touched on body image a second ago. Is that holding you back? 
know, bloating can be really challenging to sit with. Feeling a fullness can be difficult to sit with. Is it that need for a connectedness to a purpose? Again, this is not a negative, these are not negative or positive things, they're just thoughts, food for thoughts, right? That connectedness to a purpose, I have a goal focus, I'm doing a photo shoot, I need that. Is it a sense of lack of autonomy? So the last thing for you to think about, again, own personal reflection is what can I do instead of using food to address some of these things? How else can I start to improve my self-esteem and self-belief? Is there something else I can do to almost let go of some of the perfectionism and the high achievement and, and channel that energy somewhere else? Can I do other things to improve my body image besides just having a heavy focus on what my diet is? That's a big part of it, not to negate that. But is there anything else that I can do? Can I connect to a purpose through other areas of my life aside from control around food? Can I improve my sense of autonomy and personal choice by educating myself around nutrition, by putting some more, I guess, trust in my coach or being receptive to different ideas, the things that I'm throwing out today? Can I do some of that work? Is there something else I can do instead of just putting all the emphasis on the food? And a couple tasks, you know, as we kind of, I know I've thrown a lot of food for thought. I think it's something, this is one of those webinars where you, you take it away and you apply it personally. Um, because as, I, as we come back to, there isn't an answer at the end of this. There isn't me just saying there's no good and bad. It comes down to what is my relationship with food? How can I improve it? What, th what steps do I want to take? And one of those things you can do for yourself, you know, we spoke about just reflecting on some of the questions, but another thing we can do is this idea of, a food preference audit. And it's about looking at what foods have I, this is particularly around foods that you've kind of removed from the diet. And noticing one, what, what foods are they that I've removed from my diet? And sometimes these kind of come up when you don't expect them. You're like faced with the food and you're saying, oh, I don't have that. And you say, oh, why don't I have that? Why don't I eat this? That kind of initial question. Then thinking about when did I, like, when did I stop eating the foods? When did it start? When did the sort of avoidance of the foods start? let's say it was five years ago, what instigated the removal? That may not be the same as why I don't eat it now. There could have been something else happening. It could be the same. It could be I started a diet. I don't eat it because it's too high in calories um, or I don't have control around it. So therefore it will make it too high in calories if I have too many. And that's what instigated it and I'm still doing it. That might've been what instigated it, but now I don't do it out of habit. So thinking about what those differences are. Is it creating a life deficit by not having this food in your life? Do you feel like you're missing out on something? I don't mean calorie deficit. I mean, life deficit. Am I missing out on something by not having this food in my life? Think about the cheese situation. Let's say I removed that cheese. Would that, would that social event be more difficult, less enjoyable, more challenging? Do I wish I could do that? Do I wish I could sit and have the, the wine and cheese and not feel the immense shame and guilt as a result? Could I change it? Does it feel like something I can change and want to change and want to try and change? And if so, what feels manageable? What's the first next step? How can I start to reintegrate it? So let's look at that. So we just identified them. Yeah, we went through the chart. We've done all that. We know what the bad or the avoided foods are. We can then start to reintegrate these foods through looking at uh, starting with a safe environment, which is usually outside of the home. 
You know, most people will say, oh, I, I lose my, my control around food becomes just, it's just out the window in the evening, on my own, in my kitchen, cupboard rating. You know, that's the typical one that we hear, right? So let's start by reintroducing these foods that feel kind of scary. They feel a bit like mm, bad foods, can't have them. Something's happening for me there. Let's start with it outside of the home in a very like specific controlled environment, such as but support it sounds very like, oh, let me support you here. But I mean like in a social event, like I'm out with a, a partner, a friend, whatever, and chocolate cake is going, and I'm gonna give it a go because people are around and it's less likely to just, you know, eat the entire cake when everyone else is around and sharing it, right? It's a safer environment to start to try these things again. And then reflect and see how that felt. How was it? Do I feel like I wanna have more when I go home? Did I have more when I go home? Did it feel out of control? Maybe I need to start smaller. Maybe I need to try that again and keep doing those repeat exposures in a more safe environment. When it feels more comfortable and more controlled outside, we can then think about working it into the home where the environment feels less safe, less controlled, more scary. Starting small, one chocolate bar, not the whole like dairy milk. Let me just try, see if I can take a small one, leave it in the, the cupboard for a week. How does that go? Can I leave it in the cupboard for a week? When I have it, do I have more or do I just have that? Can I work up to having something larger in the house and just breaking off pieces of it? Can I start to re-expose without feeling that urgency and the, the lack of control I keep mentioning, which is a common one that comes up, to make it sit in that good food zone and not spiral into what feels bad. The bad aspects are rarely the food itself, but it's the quantity in which we eat it, that feeling of guilt, the feeling of shame, the lack of control, all of those other things that happen around that food, which makes it feel quite demonized and a bit, a bit I keep saying scary. I don't mean like, but it feels like something that I, I don't want to necessarily have around me. Again, and we reflect and we readjust. Maybe it's not something you want. You think, oh, I actually don't really fancy having this. It's funny when we give ourselves this permission to have the foods that suddenly they don't feel so exciting anymore circling back to that experiment as if we looked at it from children that chocolate was as interesting as a carrot, it wouldn't feel so like, oh, I have to have this, right? And we can create that permission by starting to reintegrate foods and moving them from bad into at least the sort of neutral zone. And you can keep track of that on yourself. How did I, how did I go with it? Did I reintegrate something on a, a lunch on a Monday? And you can kind of track this and then see Again, you can write down in the, the chart how it went just for yourself to reflect on. It could be part of like a check-in, self-check-in or check-in with a coach, but looking at where I've done this, where I've done it successfully and how it felt. And I'm curious as we kind of come to the end of this is how does it feel what I'm saying? Because it can feel very much like, mm, I, I've had it where it comes to the end of some of these and it feels like, oh, it feels too much. Feels confusing. It feels like I'm so far from that idea of moving things from from bad to neutral, from good to neutral. So I'm really I'm interested to hear from everyone about how they're feeling kind of at this point and what questions are coming up, if any, um, at this point. I'll maybe just start us off, and hopefully, if you agree with me or if there's anything you disagree with, I I feel like. Um, going through anything like this, I really relate to a lot of what you're saying. We're all looking kind of for that quick fix solution. And the fact that you've just delivered so much content and so much information and asked so many questions within the space of like 40 minutes 
um, it can feel quite a lot. And this is a bit of a process. So I think for, uh, I think we all need to appreciate that that is going to be a bit of a process. And uh, and honestly, it's you look at it two ways. Either you you do the work and we we manage this and we we set some mini goals and some mini targets and you take a little bit of time with it and appreciate that it's going to take a little bit of time. Or we try and just avoid it entirely and we're going to kind of constantly have this back and forth cycle. But sometimes it asks like, the hard stuff of isn't just simply losing weight, like doing this is, is hard work. And what naturally happens when you improve your relationship with food is you actually create a calorie deficit unintentionally and you unintentionally lose weight because you're just appreciating what a good relationship with food looks like. Um, so that would probably be my one reflection, but um, that's just my reflection based on anything. If anyone has anything they, they, they want to add in there, um, I do appreciate that it was quite a lot of information. But yeah, let us know what was your biggest takeaway. Throw it down in the comments. And if you do have a question, just say that down below. My biggest takeaway above all was the, the relationship between having control um, versus I choose to engage in certain behaviors because once you have that choice um you have that degree of autonomy and i think as humans a true definition of health is having the ability to choose how you want to act and how you want to feel um go for get clear on where do the beliefs come from environmental design and exposure design those are my five biggest takeaways so team in the chat box um yeah let me know was that useful let me know what you took away and uh, if you have any questions now would be the perfect time Just give you a couple seconds to get that in the chat. Alan's coming in there. Some deep. Alan, do you want to just unmute there? What are you saying there, mate? Sorry, I was just saying that a lot of stuff to take in and to literally it's good for thought now. Just away as you say, so I have my biggest focus control of choice now. I like Chris, I like Kazoo Juice, but I don't have him in the house now because I know if I have a big bag of them, I'll come out and not take a couple of them again. So, so bad, so, so I yeah, else should I do that? We're struggling to you there, but I think again, it's um, you've identified it's having that choice of, um, yeah, you can have them in the house and you're aware of that, but choosing not to have them allows you to actually adhere to your plan. And obviously, we're focusing kind of on weight loss, but it's not that you're eliminating them altogether, it's just you've taken that ownership and, and you're creating an environment which is more beneficial for you at the, this moment in time, given a go. Is, is that fair to say? Oh, that's definitely fair to say. Good stuff, mate. Getting a wee warm up in the treadmill. What a, what a man. What a man. Um, cool. I will throw this over to Jay. Do you want to just unmute yourself there, Jay? What are you saying? Hey, man. Um, yeah, so I've just said there's no bad foods as such, just the, the choices you make and the, the emotion attached to those choices. Um, and that's what creates your sort of idea of bad food. Um, I've kind of worked hard at it and you and I have talked a lot about it. Um, yesterday, for example, no guilt attached whatsoever. Had a bowl of cereal for breakfast. Mum came down. We went to the local pub and had a Sunday lunch, which was awesome. We were full, which was great. And then we went shopping and dinner later last night comprised of a pretzel and a chocolate brownie. Full stop. 
So, you know, choices, up, down, up, down. Um, maybe not the best. Sunday lunch was good. Um, and actually, you know what? I woke up hungry today. So yeah. Yeah. Wasn't, wasn't overdoing it by any long shot. Um, and it doesn't happen every day, you know. Um, yeah. There's no guilt because I know there's probably minor consequences, but if I was doing that every single day, that's a different story altogether. Yeah. Yeah, just on that, Jay, as well, you know, I think you mentioned as well sort of this idea of intuition. Like I woke up the next day and I noticed that I'm feeling hungry. So that's an indication that I haven't kind of just way overdone my calories. Um, you know, I had this conversation with someone the other day who sort of like ate out on the weekend, weighed themselves in the morning and had gained like three and a half pounds. And I was like, did you eat three and a half pounds worth of food? And they're like, no. And I was like, okay, so why are we upset about it? There's that, you know, obviously there's something going on here. There's probably had more salts. You know, there was some ret salt retention there, some bloating. It was a bit of an abnormal weekend for you. Don't weigh today. Let's let's try and weigh in two days and see what happens because we know logically that didn't happen. And our body will tell us, as you've said, still felt hungry the next day because if you'd eaten three and a half, you know, pounds of, <laughs> which is what, like, I don't know, 10,000 calories or something, you know, you'd know it, like you would know that <laughs> and you can almost self-justify. Um, but I, and I guess as well, like you're saying, it's, it's not so much about, and, and you, you know, and the reason why I didn't come on here and just educate about nutrition is a lot of, you know, you'll know these things, you know, the carbs or energy sources, and you don't want to have necessarily too many of them and carbs in the evening don't serve a huge purpose, but that's not the worst thing in the world. Fats, we don't want to have too many of them. There's nine calories per gram. So easy to overshoot it. Um, we want to have veggies, we want to have fruit, protein we want in every meal. You know, we know these things. This is not new information. Where it becomes detrimental is when we attach, just as you said there, Jay, we attach these kind of strong emotions to foods and we almost personify it as like the, the villains when it's nothing, you know, they don't have any power. That's just chocolate sat in the sat in the cupboard. You know, mm. that's not the anything, that's not the villain. It's all this power that I'm giving it by saying, I don't have control, it has control over me. It feels so bad, it gives me guilt, gives me shame, makes my body feel really crappy. You know, we start to make it very emotional with something that doesn't need to feel that emotional. And I guess the point of today is by reflecting and processing around some of our views around food and our relationship with food, we can start to make steps for the quote unquote better, you know, because a relationship with food is just like you know, a relationship with someone in a lot of ways, except you're the one who gets to decide everything. And whereas with a relationship with another person, you have to compromise at some point, you know, you can't be the, the dictator in the relationship, but with food, you can be, you can say, actually, you don't deserve that power over me. I'm the one in the driver's seat here. Mm, yeah. I think um, last thing, maybe just to add on to that is like, the good thing about like a relationship with food is it, it can chop and change based on environment and something I was going to share with the guys a little bit later on in the week. Um, I'll be releasing a little bit of a podcast and this thought process. It's like, um, if we were playing, if we were, if anyone's watched the Queen's Gambit, like they say, it's like, oh, what's the best move in chess? There's no such thing. Like I am reacting to how you act. I can't control how you act. I can't control what pieces are on. The, I only can have preferences. I like to have my queen. I like to have my knight. I like to have my whatever. Um, the game is like, cool, well, how can I choose and how can I act and what behaviors move me closer towards that goal? But there is no such thing as the, the perfect move or the best move or anything like that because you're just adjusting to the environment we're always adjusting to the environment again having chocolate 
as um, Haley was saying, having chocolate in the house when you're sitting on net, watching Netflix and you're not even thinking about it is one thing, but having chocolate when you're out with friends at a cafe and you've just went a big walk and you're going out to a coffee and it's a coffee morning, like that's the perfect thing. And the coffee, the chocolate's just sitting there. There's no such thing. It's just, it's just your environment more than anything. Um, incredible. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, okay, we're going to throw this over to Alex. I believe he's going to ask something, and then Mario will come to you just after. Hi, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was just thinking, like, when you're talking about like NHS adverts or like celebrities saying what they do, or if you Google something, you find all sorts of information about foods. Um, so I'm trying to gain. I'm trying to gain weight, so I don't have many issues about. Oh, I need to avoid that or anything. I'm just trying to eat everything that I can. Uh, but one thing I do sort of it does like have a lot of control over me is the like recommended daily allowances like on the packets of food mm. like your like, recommended sugar intake and stuff like how much importance would you put on that I think like, a lot of these guidelines again are then based off of very standardized formulas which come from whether they're important or they come from somewhere, right? They come from some sort of education, but they don't know who you are. You know, these, the, the amount of sugar recommended, the amount of calories recommended, fiber, fats, whatever. They don't know you as an individual. They don't know your lifestyle. They don't know your goals. Most of these recommendations as well are going to be based around someone trying to maintain, again, in a very general way, which is where it can, it can really get people who are in weight recovery um, or weight gaining phases because you kind of see that it's almost like a deterrent from increasing your intake because that feels a bit scary because you think oh gosh i'm already in the red zone or something they do the traffic light system but that those packets aren't made for someone they don't know your metabolism they don't know anything about how your body processes food it's all very generic because we have an obesity problem in the world so you know in western society we have an obesity problem typically um, so that is what everything is catered to. It's not so much catered to people who are trying to weight recover or weight gain, which is why I find it very difficult in the work I'm doing with eating disorders, not saying an eating disorder, but anyone trying to almost go against it. Right. So for yourself, what I would say is the things you want to look at is fiber intake. Again, this can be personalized with like your coach, for example, but look, your fiber intake, you want to have around, you know, 30 grams is a normal amount, but you can have up to like 60 but check in with your body and say, oh, am I like really constipated? Or am I just like shitting all the time? Like what's happening with my body? If I'm not super constipated, I'm not shitting all the time, then I'm in a good place, right? I can kind of balance it accordingly. Am I having too much sugar? Well, are you like buzzing off the walls constantly? Do you struggle to sleep? Um, how's your concentration? Check in with how your body is functioning, right? Am I putting on the weight? Yes, okay, good. Am I not putting on the weight? Let me increase my calories and I can increase my calories across the board. I can increase my carbs. I can increase my protein, can increase my fats. And yeah, you can also, yeah, okay. you just increase your diets, but nothing, there isn't like a, a there'll be a cutoff at some point, but it's not a, a huge fear. I guess it doesn't need to be a huge fear that underlines things. That being said, when you're trying to gain weight, you also can't have all the, the healthiest foods in the world because they mm. often are very filling and they're often very like voluminous. So we have to think where we can be sneaky and sneak some more calories in, like with maybe you have like a mass gainer type shake thing that has like lots of calories, but it's just a drink. Uh, maybe you like have, have a, the shakes are usually good because you can blend up stuff and put peanut butter in there. You can just like throw things in and it will, you know, you got a good 800 calories and just a quick shake. Um, but you don't strike me as someone who's at risk of just like ODing on sugar. I don't know. 
<laughs> it may be on booze, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I would, I mean, if you're really concerned, you can even put together like a meal plan, like um, kind of a, a recall for the week um, and then like pop it through to, I don't know if Matt, you kind of look at um, Alex's diet, but you can pop it through and you can kind of have a review and be like, all you've eaten for dinner is, you know, jelly babies. Like that's concerning. But if the, the diet is generally balanced, it's absolutely fine. I think you know what balance is as well. I'm not here to kind yeah. of tell you about yeah. that. I think that's, no, that's good face. That yeah, feel helpful, yeah. Alex. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So what we took from yeah, that I'm is not putting so much importance on those those numbers. Yeah. Alex, how's your poo, and how do you want your body to function? I think that's, uh, Alex, I'm going to start looking at some poo samples, mate. <laughs> Goodness, all right. There's no issues there. That's not what is it poo tells you lots of things. Digestion and sleep. They tell you lots of things, and if those things are wrong, then concern there is my concern there if you're really stressed about alex as well you can always make up that you have some dramatic issue and then the, the gp will do you some blood work you know i always say i'm like oh i'm just feeling so fatigued just beyond fatigued and then like i'm i'm absolutely fine i just want a general checkup but you can just sort of say you're feeling horrendous and hopefully they'll do some some bloods for you <laughs> and and they'll say like oh like things are functioning fine and things aren't but that's an extreme otherwise you know if everything is you know if you're eating a balanced diet you're increasing your weight it's all good do you look do you feel good about yourself are you functioning okay is the poo good it's all good yeah cool. awesome i think i was clear exactly that just are you functioning good like let's get clear on are you fun what does that actually look like energy levels sleep levels yeah across that that's awesome and then mary last thing coming over to you buddy if you want to just unmute yourself and we'll wrap up there yeah um i was quite interested in um seeing this tonight because recently um, I've kind of struggled with um, having that fear and that control um, and really wanting to have, you know, a Greg sausage roll or something and then having that guilt and I shouldn't do it. it um, I, I've been using Slimming World now for the last 11 weeks and I'm trying to stick to that um, and also thinking about calorie intake and it really, it's quite overwhelming. Um but recently I have just I have just decided forget the Slum World app, um, just go with your calories and have that subway, which I did last week, um, and I didn't feel guilty about it. So this kind of just kind of confirms what I was already thinking and it, it kind of helps a little bit just to give me that nudge along and just make me feel a bit happier about doing this. So, yeah. I think something as well, you know, what you were saying there is you were on, um, and I always bash Slimming World. It's not like the end of the world. Like, it's not the worst thing in the world. Like, let's be honest. It's not, it isn't. There's good, there's some good intentions there when they started it. But yeah. I think what, where it gets confusing is when you try and take information from so many different sources. Um, you know, it's like when I work with a client now, I'll just say, well, who else, you, like, who's part of your team? Because if you are part of a team, everyone needs to be on the same page. And the problem with you know, Google and Slimming Worlds and calorie counters and a coach is none of those four things will be on the same page. They'll all be telling you different things. Yeah. It doesn't make any of them necessarily inherently right or inherently wrong. Coach is usually the best because they know you as a person. And that's very different than Google search and Slimming Worlds and whatever else um, or calorie counters. But it's like if you used two calorie counters, they both tell you that bread was worth two different things because they're all very, you know, things are different. So we have to have some consistency behind whatever mechanism we're using for weight, weight loss, weight gain, um, because that way you're not confusing yourself. 
you know, it's like weighing at home and weighing at the gym and then weighing at the drugstore. It's, it just creates confusion and can create unnecessary stress and mm-hmm. guilt and kind of shame. Whereas if you just took the first advice, you can kind of work with that and move forward. So I think the fact that you've sort of narrowed down on one thing is, is really great and not confuse yourself with too many different sources. And you've started to almost reintegrate, as you spoke about today, reintegrate some foods that, that previously might've felt a bit like mm, scary off limits and not all at once. Let me just try a subway, see how I feel. Because the reality is our bodies can take a lot. You know, they can take a lot. I guess it goes to Alex's point as well. Our bodies can handle a lot. You know, they can handle more food than you expect. And one subway, uh, you know, on, a, on an occasion isn't going to be a negative, you know, as Jay's day that he said earlier, you know, a day of a cereal, cereal and then a, a dinner and then a, uh, what was it, brownie and pretzel, you know, a, he can handle it. His body can handle it. If he was just doing that every single day, it's a bit like, all right, we'll get some veggies in there somewhere, you know, but, but your bodies can handle a lot. And we learn that as we start to become more intuitive and we check in with ourselves rather than just checking in with what my rules are telling me and my guidelines are telling me and society's telling with me. If I'm not adhering to this, then I'm, I'm inherently going to feel shame and guilt. I need to check in with myself, my brain, my body, how am I feeling? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks very much. Mary, really proud of you. Thank you for sharing that one. And um, yeah, I think exactly as Haley was just saying there, the, the good thing about mindful practice is you're not going to get it right first time but that's why we call it practice guys so um yeah um guys thank you so much Haley. i can't wait to have you in uh next month a lot of exciting things coming from Haley and i over these next couple of months for sure um so team once this is uploaded into the facebook group just comment below uh let us know what your biggest takeaway was that will probably spark some interest and get those people who may have missed out on this uh especially the q a i thought you guys took a lot from that just at the end there so that was absolutely incredible and Haley, as always thank you i'm forever grateful that our paths have crossed two years ago almost now wow that was literally lockdown of 2020 yeah <laughs>